you're a tiny person riding on the bus, trying to be a responsible steward of your community, and really just trying to get through your day. You're commuting home, enjoying the luxury of the center of a vast upholstered seat spreading around you, as lights in the windows far overhead flash and flicker on the bus's lumbering route through the city. The bus slows, your little body lurches, and several moments pass before a young woman dressed for summer in jeans, shorts, and a cropped t-shirt, decides to take your seat. Did she see you? Or was she lost in whatever's playing on her headphones, eager to claim any empty spot? Either way, rather than being crushed beneath her perked butt, you find yourself lying within the canyon of long thighs, trembling as the bus starts up again. Do you dare to announce your presence to her? Or do you lie there and wait for her to notice you? If ever, which of these is the least harmful choice? Welcome to Zeitgeist, a short podcast with some big ideas about the growing fascination with gigantic and tiny people. I'm your host, Aborigin, exploring the history, the prejudices, and the passions surrounding size fantasy. Welcome back to the show. Today, as the title has given away, I'm going to explore the foot fetish aspect to science fantasy. It was bound to happen sooner or later. It's impossible to not address, since it necessarily comes up whether you have a fetish for feet or not. There is a strong foot fetishist contingent within the science community, and it makes sense. One of the most basic demonstrations of overwhelming size is to have a giant person stand beside you, and you only come up to their calf or even their ankle. One of the smallest parts of a giant's body is held up against your entire body, and you're found wanting in the comparison. And if you're attracted to feet and seek the sensory overload common to many sexual fantasies, it should be obvious that you'd want to be stepped on and completely covered by a huge foot. It's a reasonable extension of the fantasy that you'd be ordered to massage a soul taller than yourself or if you're into the nastier, more biological aspects of the experience, that you'd be ordered to lick the dirt off the sole, or the jam between the toes. Everything you like in a regular foot, but bigger, stronger, more pungent, and commanding. This rule of scale applies to mouths, breasts, penises, and asses, so why should feet be exempt? The foot is a cute little appendage at the end of the leg, which just from the hip at the bottom of the torso, which is crowned by the head. The soles are the home to apocrine glands, perspiration glands that also exist in the perineum, the nipples, the armpits and nostrils, women's labia, and the scrotum in men. It has been suggested that the presence of apocrine glands is one reason feet get caught up in sexual stimuli, but the jury's still out pending formal study. In the kingdom of the bodyscape, the head is the capital, and the feet are the far-flung borderlands, the lawless frontier. There's something about the foot being as far away as possible from the cognitive center of the head that makes you feel like you can get away with more around the feet as a tiny person. The head is off doing math or watching TV, and the feet are just lying around, abandoned, left to their own devices. And you could almost mess around with them without the greater person taking notice, at least for a while. But why would you want to? What's so great about the feet? Hear that? That howl of despair keening as loudly as the last overburdened engine on a passenger jet? 
That's the cumulative frustration of a hundred thousand foot fetishists across the nation crying out to voice what to them is an obvious truth. They know what's sexy about feet, and they're maddeningly aware of how this incontrovertible fact is nonetheless missed by a seeming majority of the population. This is a perfect crystallization of the paradox of our size fetish. Whatever we're into, we're convinced few other people in the world could share this fetish, but if you speak to people within the context of the size community, we tend to believe our particular kinks are the predominant manifestation. Chalk this logical contradiction up to the human condition. Let's deconstruct this and start at the most basic elements. Feet can be cute. Whether or not you want to masturbate to them, you have to admit some feet are cuter than others, or handsomer than others. Personally, I'm attracted to the Greek ideal of feet, powerful and well-shaped, something that commands your respect. Strong toes, a broad base, a solid foundation upon which a deity piles their might and presence. Even though I don't consider myself a fetishist, I feel like I have substantial and well-defined opinions on what makes an attractive foot. For instance, with all due respect to Daryl Hannah, I was disappointed and left cold by her foundational close-ups in 1993's Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Not my thing, but not inconceivable that it'd be someone else's. Hell, that scene was probably someone's awakening, and now her feet are the template and standard for all others. All I'm saying is that there are women's feet I find cute, and feet that do nothing for me, just as women possessed appealing hands and ungainly hands, cute ears and unfortunate ears, fulsome asses and not fulsome. Feet have many other qualities attributed to them as well. We think of them as dirty, what with the bacteria that can build up in socks that don't get changed, the sweat and aroma of labor after a rigorous workout. Society stigmatizes any attraction to them, casting them as off-limits. This is kind of funny, since there's no role of the foot in biological imperative. Society dictates that we cover up our reproductive genitalia and breasts, yet feet exist in a twilight region between the acceptable and the forbidden, and the latter group because they're laden with sexual baggage. Some styles of women's shoes show off the appealing qualities to a woman's foot. Others crush and mutilate them while accentuating the rest of the body. It's like polite society wants to hide away anything related to sexual attraction and arousal. This can get complicated since it's possible to be attracted to and fetishize literally any part of the human body. Through circuitous routes, Instagram introduced me to a fetish in Southeast Asia, mainly in the Philippines, that centered on women's armpits. It had its own hashtag and everything, and the images were simply of women lifting one arm while looking at the camera. Despite thousands of fetishists craving that material, it manages to fly beneath Instagram's censorship radar and persist unmolested, because for now, it's not sexualized broadly enough to merit censorship. I think feet are further along that path. If social media can't ban pictures of bare feet in various positions, it can still shut down accounts that seem to be trying to monetize these images under the broad interpretation of sexual content. Toes are darling. They stick out cutely. They splay cutely. They curl up cutely. Merriam-Webster no longer seems to list an entry for Dewey to describe long toes, but foot fetishists have preserved this usage. In their typically poetic tendency, the English have a term for sucking on toes, shrimping. And curled toes could possibly remind one of a display of cocktail shrimp, I suppose. 
The instinct to grab something cute and stuff it in one's mouth is surprisingly common. A friend of mine said she had the instinct when viewing miniatures to pop one in her mouth just to hold and feel it there. And you've seen adoring mothers threatening to eat the toes off their baby's feet, surely. Let the verdict maintain that toes are firmly within the realm of cute things. Now, imagine yourself tiny, smaller than a Star Wars action figure, about the size of a shot glass. A giant person walks up to you, planting their huge feet on either side of you, communicating wordlessly that escape is futile. You have to deal with them and their feet. They could easily lift one foot off the ground, hover it above you, and slowly bring it down in an inexorable display of strength and mass. But they don't. They lift their leg, their foot hovers above you, but then their toes spread, trembling with underdeveloped dexterity, and they slowly lower to pinch your head. The large toes curl over and behind your shoulders, and you're mashed into the ball of their foot as they effortlessly lift you off the ground. Is this a threatening gesture? Is it an inordinately cute gesture? Are they disrespecting you by seizing you with their least appendage? And are you into that form of respect? They stretch out their leg, you're very high off the ground now from your perspective, and they casually regard your plight, seeing your feeble body struggle within the grip of their darling little toes, any one of which is still too strong for you to push at and pry off your body. Think about what that means in terms of power dynamics. It's their smallest and cutest digits at the end of their leg, as far away from their eyes and brain as anything on them could be, and it's still too much for you. You can't even fight against a darling little toe. For some people, this helplessness is crushing and they loathe their inadequacy. For others, this incidental display of power is intoxicating. And both of these reactions can be present in many people. Sexuality is complicated, or trying to make sense of it is. I think that's where we go wrong, trying to intellectualize these impulses when they're more easily explained by, quote, the heart wants what it wants, end quote. What else can you do with a foot as a tiny person? Well, the first time you meet a goddess in some stories, she simply extends her leg toward you and commands you to worship her foot. By real-world physics, you'd be too small to make an indentation in her soul with both fists. But in stories like this, a tiny person putting their shoulders into it can knead into a warm and patient soul. And the goddess can feel it and derive pleasure from it, or else she simply appreciates their earnest effort. A tiny person could certainly do an expert job painting a giantess's toenails, unquestionably. They could kiss the bridge just as a normal-sized lover can kiss a cheek or a hand, or even a foot, just with much smaller kisses. It would be simultaneously an inadequate and endearing gesture to lie upon the bridge of a foot, straining to wrap your arms even halfway around their ankle, attempting to embrace the merest member of their body with all of yours. The application of a giant foot can be applied to all genres of size fantasy, whether gentle, sexy, or cruel. Cute feet, albeit huge feet, can be very tender as the ball of one foot presses your tiny body into the soul of another, hugging you all-encompassingly between souls. Toes can pluck at you or stroke at your nude form, clumsily stimulating you with huge darling tips. 
or feet can take you into the realm of the crush fetish, coming down on you with frightening speed and irresistible strength. In many stories and images, it's common to see a giantess walking through a city, flattening cars beneath her soles, just as she makes a bloody mess of hapless pedestrians who can't get out of the way quickly enough. Whether she's intentionally pursuing manslaughter, or is unaware of the horrific damage she's causing, is a matter of the creator's intent and the audience's appetite. But if you're already into feet, normal-sized feet, does macrophilia have anything to offer you? Does the appeal of pressing your entire body against a warm, sweaty sole and licking out the webbing between toes larger than your head appeal in the least way? I found one episode of the Foot Fetish podcast, hosted by Ramon and Bell, where they talked about the giantess fetish, except they pronounced it gigantus. The concept of giant women seems new to them, though they have each had size-adjacent experiences. Ramon talked about playing with G.I. Joes with his feet in the bathtub as a kid, and experiencing an awakening that way, so perhaps he's got a giant streak somewhere inside him. They conflated macrophilia with the fat fetish, and Bell admitted to being attracted to Rubenesque women, though not necessarily taller. The mid-90s cartoon Gargoyles gave her to think she might be into taller men, or gargoyles, but she also recalled a comic about a huge frog eating a woman, and this terrified her, as did the idea of dwelling in a giant stomach, as per Attack on Titan. Terror is not at all an uncommon reaction when people encounter macrophilia for the first time. The sexiness eludes them, and all that remains is the fright of something huge that you're helpless to fend off. Bell, bless her heart, recalled Tampon Gate from December 1989, when British tabloids exposed Prince Charles's sexy conversations with Camilla, during which he confessed to wishing he could be her tampon. The world laughed at such a ridiculous notion, and I recall Dana Carvey's send-up of it on Saturday Night Live, but I knew exactly what he was talking about, and he had all my sympathy. Anyway, Ramon recognized that he found and enjoyed some fan art of Disney princesses smothering their partners under their huge bare feet, so, yay. They mentioned SizeCon, and at the time of the episode in September 2020, there would have been four SizeCons. They cited Dr. Mark Griffith's Big Love article in Psychology Today, as well as The Bible and Macrophilia, an intense article about giants in the Bible, which I'll highlight in a later episode. They correctly cite Vor as coming from Vorarophilia, so I have to give them much props for doing their research and exploring macrophilia. Poor Ramon went to Reddit to research this topic, and it seems he encountered a measure of belligerence from science fetishists who each insisted their particular faction was the predominant one. And at one point, Bell asserted, quote, No podcast with one host is ever going to be good, end quote. Ahem. If you're interested in experiencing the foot fetish through a size fantasy lens, I will give you one literary reference right off the bat. You could start a fakie account on Giantess City and search through the writer's archives for any stories posted along this vein. You can run down the Giantess world yourself, and you can seek out appropriate stories by context. But let me recommend one author in particular who's very into Giantess feet and shoes, as well as crushing and humiliation. I can't say I'm into all of that, but given that, I have enjoyed everything I've read by this author, who goes by Crushed Boy Wonder. Open up his stories, and you're going to experience some very passionate, brutal, sincere writing 
shot through with dry humor. He contributed several stories to the Size Riot writing contests, and I was always excited to see what he came up with for a range of topics, gentle, unaware, growth, and cruel. I have several artists to recommend as well. Once again, I'm compelled to remind the listener that I'm not inherently a foot fetishist, I just know what I like when I see it. Therefore, my recommendations may not appeal to the truer, hardcore fetishists, but what can I do? I'm creating this podcast from where I exist, limited to my experiences. In a way, these podcasts are little love letters to creators I've admired for years but never spoken to, and they will certainly never hear my praise on these episodes, so allow me to gush. That said, please check out the show notes for links to everyone I'm going to call out now. I knew him as Smushed Boy, but on DeviantArt he calls himself Martius Agni, he him Brazil. He draws all sorts of artwork featuring giantesses and tiny people, and he ventures into various aspects of the macrophilia fetish, including cities being crushed by breasts or tiny people being rubbed into armpits. The bulk of his work, however, features women's feet from all angles. Martius Agni's artistic style is exquisite, highly polished, and stark line art with gorgeous women and a compelling international feel. The foot community benefits greatly from so talented an artist plying his skills to this imagery. As well, Guiri Art is another fantastic, enthusiastic, gifted artist who portrays various interpretations of love and domination through women's feet. Formerly on DeviantArt, he has a Patreon that hasn't been updated since last June. I suspect he's more active on Discord, but you can find a free and accessible gallery of his work on Pixiv, the Japanese artwork gallery that accepts all comers. His characters all dwell within a series called Totally, that's T-O-E, and he renders vignettes of women discovering tiny people, manipulating and dominating them, sometimes working paying fans into his work. Likewise, the Spanish artist, for some reason I think he's Spanish, Molotov, creates lavish, playful illustrations of gigantic women subjugating hapless little men under their feet. His artistic style is decidedly vintage, similar to mainstream comics of a few decades ago or enamel advertisement signs of several decades ago. I'd love to learn of his own inspiration for his work, because the women are almost unfailingly dressed in aprons, frilly skirts, pumps, and pearl necklaces, which in my nation resounds with retro Americana. It's a distinct artistic choice, and I've always wanted to learn more about it. Unfortunately, all of his online galleries seem to be taken down except for what exists on Patreon. The style of the artist Pogojo is hallmarked by plumpness, lusciousness. Whether they're drawing butts, tongues, boobs, or feet, everything bears an indulgent, lavish texture that seems like it would be heavenly to sink within. Everything's very cute. Everything's indulgent and potentially life-threatening in the best way possible. Similarly, there's one artist I know absolutely nothing about, named Fooly with four O's. Their deviant art profile holds the most work, and they have smaller galleries on Patreon, Pixiv, and Newgrounds. Like Pogojo, they are an artist at the top of their game, and seemingly nothing is beyond their capability. They reference video games and anime in their work, but you don't need to know that to appreciate the lavish, sensual illustrations of cute feet and puffy toes as they hover over, crush, and pick at tiny little people. Unlike the other artists who range into other aspects of macrophilia, Fooly is entirely fixated 
upon the manipulation of tiny people by huge, beautiful feet. There, that should give you an idea of what people are doing. Bear in mind that any size fantasy artist is necessarily going to come around to feet eventually as they explore every aspect of giant people inflicting themselves upon tiny people. Think back to the crappy Super Friends cartoons of the 80s. Many of us found our awakening whenever someone was shrunken down or grown up to outrageous heights. Batman got the best of it, grasped in the fists of scientist Amy Zahn and a gigantic Wonder Woman alike. But don't forget Giganta being pursued through the city streets by an enlarged Apache chief. How many of those action sequences were crystallized by a street view of a huge, bare, feminine foot crashing into the avenue? Yes, exactly. You can hardly be blamed for your fetish with programming like this from your earliest years. Now it's time for the questionnaire, and this round of the questions will be answered by my good friend Starkad. I just realized I don't know how to pronounce that. He identifies as male, proudly from Italy, and he says he started as a collage artist who branched out into 3D renderings as well as creative writing. He's working on a novel, Mondo Ridotto, or Reduced World in English. He's an ardent fan of size erotica, though he admits his taste run vanilla compared to popular fare. Starkad's preferred size is to be 8 centimeters or 3 inches tall. Quote, that's because it's a golden size, both to be small enough, yet maintaining some control and iteration with the surrounding world. The dangers are not as extreme, end quote, yet it's still fun and exciting and relatively safe to interact with the bigos. He points out that the size of the woman is not as pertinent to his fantasies as his own size, being less about giantesses and more about himself shrunken down to 4.3% of his actual height. If I have to think of an origin of this fantasy of mine, I will say I have to go back a long way. From my earliest memory, I remember playing, always imagining that I was only a few inches tall. I... Yeah, I remember using a little Lego man as my avatar, you know, in my imagination. And for me, everything, a garden, a until a bush, an apartment, everything was a giant world to explore. The attraction for Giantesses came later. You know, with with puberty and interest in girls. I will always imagine it myself as teeny, but uh, interacting interacting with hypothetical girls, exploring the, their bodies or let them uh, play with me. Maybe that's why I'm not as fascinated by the theme of domination as I am by the theme of gentle. Ha you know, having a, re a relationship with these differences in size and, uh, you know, just having a friend, a, a gent friend or a giant, a giant uh, girlfriend. 
regarding the question what does you your size fantasy mean to you well it's a little embarrassing to say but it's not that different from the games i played as a kid i may have gotten more complex and for sure the genesis had spice to the fantasy but the fantasy of being small to me means living in a world with different rules from those imposed by society our real society to live in a world where survival relies almost ex exclusively on my hands my skill my craftiness a world that may be hard harsh and uh, even lethal but one that that assure me total freedom kind of like the world must have been in the neolithic period before we enclosed ourselves ourselves within uh, stone walls and rules it isn't a casual coincidence that i like survival games you know the ones where you have to gather materials and build and crafting and else i don't know if you know um the series of uh, novel of mary bird i think the um, about borrowers well that was a book my mom used to to read me when i was child and yeah that's the kind of life i'd like to live a life of uh of a borrower thank you for listening to zeitgeist this show was written hosted produced and everything else by me aborted find the show notes and links at zeitgeist.com see you in two weeks and please watch your step we